Hi, and welcome to the 68th Womanthology podcast. My name is Fiona Tatton, and I'll be your host. Womanthology is the digital magazine and professional community powered by female energy and ingenuity. We champion equal recognition and reward for everyone, sharing opportunities, ideas, and a deep pool of collective wisdom, supporting each other to be unstoppable. In this, our Women in Construction issue, I speak with Catherine Evans, founder of Boulders Brass, a 1,200-plus strong network of women and allies from the construction sector and beyond. Catherine shares her passion for social value and also discusses her support for the PPE That Fits campaign. A quick reminder that you sign up for the Womanthology newsletter by filling in your details on the front page of our website. That's womanthology.co.uk. You can also join our LinkedIn community by visiting linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash womanthology and find us on X, Instagram and Facebook. Welcome to the Womanthology podcast. We have Catherine Evans and she is founder of Bold as Brass. Welcome to the podcast, Catherine. How are you today? Very much. I've been in the gym for two hours this morning, so I'm a bit laggy right now. Oh, you've hit me to shame. I've just had a chocolate biscuit. <laughs> but I was just saying that we, we don't do a visual podcast, so it's all audio, but looking very stylish. You look like you're on a chat show. So when I do graduate up to doing a visual podcast as well with the audio, we'll have you back and we can show off your surroundings because I say you absolutely look the part. Locked myself upstairs because my husband's home in my office so I was like don't interrupt me I'm going to do a podcast upstairs. (laughs) Well I am sure we're going to have a great conversation today so I'm going to start off if it's okay by asking you if you could tell us about your educational background and career to date. Who is Catherine Evans? Well I guess for geology-wise, it started when I was in. I went to Gowerton School, that is Gower, Swansea kind of way. And we had an amazing teacher called Mrs Tanner who did geography and then geology A-level. And she was just fantastic. She was just such a lovely, lovely teacher. And she, quite a few of us out of that class have turned into geologists and still are geologists. From that, I went into Cardiff Uni, so stayed in Wales, and that was quite heavy on the extraction side, like resource side, even though it was just geology, it was called just basic geology. After I left, that got scrapped and turned into environmental geosciences. So that um, heaviness of mining has been lost, and that's a bit of an issue now because of critical minerals. We need to have more people who've got this mining experience and mining knowledge to be able to extract the critical minerals, which we need for the green revolution. So at the moment, we're not going to be able to get those with the amount of mining specialists we have in the country or even across the world because it is, it's disappearing and that the media noise on mining is that mining is bad, but everything that you touch, everything that isn't living now or was, it's come from the ground at some point. So something that's also really important to me is that mining heritage, mining knowledge, and the way that people see it needs to change. It's really well regulated. We're just watched so closely that you just can't take a foot wrong. And people genuinely care. 
they care about the community that they're in. They care about the environment that they're working in. They care about what we put back into the environment. And it's, it's not this sort of oil tycoon vibe that people think it has. So it's about the, the, the management and the sustainability is built in to what's being done in it. And I suppose inclusion is really important part of that as well, because when you've got women are underrepresented or other minority groups are underrepresented already in a sector, and then the, this, there's that challenge in the sector, then that's where inclusion is all the more important. Yes. When you've got a group of people who have all got the same-ish background and they all have the same-ish experiences, the same-ish upbringing, then they will come up with the same-ish ideas. So that's the diversification of people from different backgrounds, different jobs entirely, and like different viewpoints, different lenses, and people see things different ways. And then you start to cover all the bases. So by having people, we see it now with the decisions that were made during COVID and how things like domestic violence, domestic abuse got completely missed because everybody making the decisions had never found themselves in that situation before or was aware of that kind of situation. The way that bus routes are dotted around the place to help people who are leaving the town to go to big jobs somewhere else, completely missing that these are little bus routes that people who want to stay inside the village, just take their kids to school, get back on the bus, go and do a part-time job, come back at the kids out of school, take them to brownies, come back that's what they need to be that's where they need to place them it's seeing that you can't just have this one viewpoint you need to have multitude of viewpoints to cover all the bases Uh, everybody's got blind spots but when you've got all of these people together then the blind spots you can see through them and can you tell us about the work you've done to set up boulders brass and how that came about yes i went to a conference it was July 22, so it was only last year. went to a conference after I came back from having my second baby. It was a mining conference, and there was a woman who I noticed was really being discriminated against. She was the one who was giving the talk. She got cut off completely, and there was even somebody who was talking on the phone while she was doing a presentation, which made her really nervous, and I really felt for her because you could see all the link words were coming back in then. And I just thought, oh, this is going so badly for her. I can feel her pain. And then to have somebody just go, right, so we're we're stopping now. We're going to break for coffee when she hadn't finished. And I thought, oh, we've had plenty of people overrun so far. All men who haven't been stopped. They've just been allowed to finish. Why are we doing this? I stayed for the AGM and I let rip completely, which didn't go down well. But then there were also a lot of people in the room who were like, yeah, me too. So I thought there's something needs to be done here. We need to have something to help these women who I also spoke to around the table then and throughout the conference to say, how is it going for you in your place of work? How do you feel your career is progressing? And you can really tell these women felt like it was them who were the problem because there's so little representation of women in the companies that they work for, especially at the higher levels. They didn't have a voice. And when they spoke up, they were silenced or told, you know, I, I don't see it that way. They didn't understand that it was society, not them. That this is a patriarchy at work. It's nothing to do with them and how they put themselves out there. And if they get aggravated and return a comment with passion, that's not them being aggressive. They're not bad people. 
And these are women who are a good way into their career and really feeling bad about themselves. And like, raw is just filling me with rage. It's like, I know it's not you. This is what I've had my entire career. And I've been lucky enough to meet a lot of women who said exactly the same. And I know that it's not this. And I want you to know that it's not that. So it's like, right, bold as brass, something to set up, something to bring these women together, which in the beginning was just like us down in the Southwest, but it grew so quickly up and down the country. And now we've got, we've got about 1,200 members since July last year. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, just obviously a gap that needed to be filled there yeah. and help these women along. And we started off, we were having support calls where if you had an issue you wanted a bit of support with, we would support each other together with the knowledge that we had because we already had people from undergrads to CEOs and heads of organizations. We had enough experience that we could bring each other on through that. So there was that in the very beginning. And then I had a couple of coaches approach me and say, we really want to help. If there's anything we can do. So they gave an hour, like a webinar, and that became quite a thing that was really well received because these women had never had any access to career coaching and I felt like it was making a massive difference for me and some of the women who were always there they said it was making a massive difference to them so they were making sure that they made time for each one that we had each month and then they went in and got some more career coaching or pushed inside their workplace I want to have career coaching you pay for that for me and I will turn into the leader that you want me to be so that was working really well. We've got quite a few more women who want to give their time as well in different ways. So we've got people who will help women who are coming back from maternity, just general career coaching for women working in male heavy environments. We've got a really, really amazing woman who's come on recently and she is an ex midwife and she wants to help businesses see how they can be supporting the women who are either just pregnant, about to go off, just returning, and even during their maternity leave. And I think that's something that is so missing. My maternity leaves were difficult because I had undiagnosed PTSD with the first and then postnatal depression with the second, which came from having that undiagnosed PTSD. To know that there was something to fall back on during that time, I was really lucky with the second because I had such brilliant access to the perinatal mental health ward because I'd, I'd moved house into a different borough and it was picked up very very quickly by my sister-in-law who's a midwife so the, the ball was rolling within two weeks of having the baby and they were so helpful but it shouldn't be postcode lottery or help like that as businesses we are there for parents throughout it's like I, I was at my last job for seven years so they saw me through having two babies of massive life changes for the, the birth there and for the partner. So we should be doing more there, I think. It's not all just work. We give up so much of our life for these businesses that they should be supporting us back. I think you're absolutely right. But I think it's also people who might be caring for elderly relatives. It might be people who've got a long-term health condition, people who've got a disability. There's so many reasons why your work life is going to be affected. They need to be having those conversations. But I think so often people are scared to approach their employers about things like this. The other side of this is when you want to change your job. 
So many people will stay in a role because there's some flexibility there, but there's people not living up to their full potential and not living up to all the things that they could be doing. And if they're scared to move, or if they do move, they're having to take lower paid, lower skilled jobs because that's where the flexibility is. There's a trade-off and a sacrifice, which I think is really wrong. Obviously then the gender pay gap either stays the same or gets bigger and it just feeds itself, which I think is probably a whole extra podcast. So moving on, part of your work involves social value. Could you tell us what made you want to work in this area? Yeah. So I was geotechnical manager for a really large area when I was in my last job. And the bit that gave me the the biggest, not buzz, but like the fuzzy feeling that made me so happy was actually supporting the quarry managers when I went to see them. And it wasn't just the quarry managers. I'd make sure I met if we had new people at the site. I met the new people and they got to know me. And it's like, it's that thing of giving. I got like a helper's high from giving. And I would always say, can I help you first? Is there something I can do for you? You think that nothing really comes for free. But when you're a person who gets such a high from making people happy, then that's the thing that you really like. And with social value, it's such a difficult thing to describe, I think, because it's a vibe for me. It's all about building relationships, doing the positive thing. Community net gain is something that I've been calling it because you can relate it back to biodiversity net gain and that side of it, leaving a community or group of people in a better place after you finish working there than before you got there. I guess it's that side of your brain that processes love. You can't put words to it. Like, why do you love your partner? Social value, it's like happiness. It's doing the right thing. It's working with purpose and values. It's not all about money. And you're also supporting a Chartered Institute of Building campaign that's about PPE that fits. Could you tell us about this and why it's so important and a little bit about what you're doing and what needs to be done in the PPE space as well to make everything better? Yeah, well, PPE, there's so much PPE out there that fits women. Yes, that um, this personal protective equipment we use in construction, but it's also used in the NHS. And around COVID time, that's when we saw a massive deal of the, this PPE isn't fit for the workforce, which is very, very female heavy why are we buying men's PPE and turns out because they just make it for men because there's not enough diversity in the people who are the decision makers of what gets made and an understanding that women aren't shrunk down versions of men tall women aren't the same shape as tall men it's different so there's lots and lots of PPE that is out there made for women fits brilliantly there is this message out there that says there is no PPE for women which is wrong because it's just the uh, layers in between the manufacturer and the end user which are really really just blocking the end user getting what they need and there's a, a lack of understanding of the PPE being part of the safety system it's just seen as clothing so they, they just say the usual term is it's not a fashion show where the men's 
which is something that, yeah, I just keep on at all the time. No, it's not a fashion show. It's a piece of safety equipment. And by it being too long, too tight, too made for a man's foot, you're actually putting me in harm's way because all I'm doing is thinking about sleeves, roll my sleeves up, ow, my feet hurt. I can't move in that position because you've asked me to fit my trousers to my waist, but now my hips aren't taken into account because men's trousers are straight down. So there's all these things of like not being able to even get into a Hilux, not being able to do your job of picking up core boxes to do the core logging. So you look lazy because you say, I just can't do it. Or you're constantly tripping over. God, why are you so clumsy? You've twisted your ankle. Fantastic. Well done. Now we have to fill out the book to say that there's been an incident. And the reason is because the boots don't do up because they're made for men. And the foot is sliding inside it because the, foot, the boot is so wide. When there are women's pieces of PPE out there that people just don't get. The suppliers aren't stocking the PPE because they say that there's no market for it because the businesses are just buying the men's. So it's covering up the market because they don't see the difference. It's just the cheaper stuff. Women's stuff tends to cost a bit more because it's made in smaller batches. The way that they work everything that has to be sent over in units. So it has to take up a small portion and then you have to top that unit up with men's. It just seems to be so many barriers in between. And another really big barrier that is not helping the situation is where the HSE just sees it as the end layer of the safety system. That's the health and safety executive, the HSE. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, they go on site when they're doing their audits and they're looking for the big ticket items, the things like, like a missing barrier. Or that would be like a, a fall from height. Or perhaps then you've got a guard not on a machine, which means that somebody could get caught in the guard. But all these things don't matter to somebody getting hurt if that person has already twisted their ankle walking from the compound to the machine because of the PPE that they're wearing. And there are even regs in L25, Regulation 4.51, that says it has to fit, PPE, PPE has to fit, and things have to be taken into consideration, including protected characteristics of gender, ethnicity. So why is it still being ignored? Because that's just causing people to not bother because they know that they won't get caught out. Nobody ever gets a fee for intervention on PPE. They get it for the big things. So... That's something that needs to change and the HSE needs to realise their responsibility in this as well. We'll have to keep talking about that. So we shall uh, support you and whatever we can do and the campaign more broadly, really happy to help and to amplify the messaging around that as well. So we are here to help you. How can the womanthology community engage with the work that you're doing and engage with what you're doing as Bold as Brass? What would you like people to do? Come and join Bold as Brass. Bold as Brass Allies is there for anybody at all. So. You don't have to work in construction. You don't have to be a woman. It's there for everybody. And it's there so that we can build better allies. So an ally of any form. So it doesn't matter if you don't understand what goes on in construction. You're nowhere near construction. The fact that you're learning about what it is 
that is affecting women, because of the patriarchy, it's going to be shared. It's going to be pretty much everywhere. So there's that side of it. Yes, there's pushing the positive message that there is PPE available. And by using the PPE That Fits website, you can find what you need. Making sure that people in positions of influence are taking into consideration different needs, intersectional needs of all people and not just seeing the world through their own eyes and thinking that's all it is. And if there's anybody who could give something, feel like they could give something to the women of Bowdoin's Brass in the form of a webinar or support when it comes to writing CVs or courage or thinking that you've got job opportunities that they'd like to post on our women's support group, then just do it. We'll put all your socials on in the show notes and also you'll have a website page as well. So we'll put those there so people can get in touch and they can reach out and connect with you directly, Catherine. That's amazing. And now, what is coming up next for you? What are you looking forward to? It can be in work, can be out of work, can be whatever you want. Well, I've just started as a, a consultant, which means that now all of that work that I've done and all of these relationships that I've built, all this knowledge that I have about PPE and certain pieces of PPE, I want to be able to spread that I've given up my job in the technical side and I want to move into that side more so I have all this information come and get it from me if anybody wants to know what PPE they could be buying for their teams based on their risk assessments that's something that I can help them with to make sure they're getting what they need for people's bodies it's got to be fit for purpose on the person the protective side of it, making sure you actually got the right stuff. It's not just an orange uniform. And then the equipment, finding the equipment that works for these people. And then if you are a supplier and you're looking to build more lines of inclusive PPE rather than just the stuff for average size men, I can help you with that because I've got a really wide knowledge of what's available now. And then if you are a manufacturer and you want help in designing better equipment for the inclusive market i know what it is to be an end user i've got 800 end users who are ready to tell you what they need and what they want so that's something i can help with as well well it sounds very impressive to me so um, would it be okay for us to keep in touch with you catherine about these issues moving forward because they're really important and i think we care about all the same things so yeah can we stay in touch absolutely so Thank you so much, Catherine Evans, founder of Boulders Brass. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you very much. In this section of the show, we hear about the contributors who have shared their stories in our new written issue. The stories include Hannah Dixon, chartered architect and passive house designer, discusses founding progress in practice. Her architectural practice focusing on sustainability, low carbon construction and community engagement. Hannah shares her passion for projects that are not only 70 to 90% more efficient, but also create spaces that are more comfortable, stable and healthy for their end users. Sandy Rees-Jones, OBE, writes about her role as the 120th president of the Chartered Institute of Building. Sandy is a formidable force of nature in the sector and she discusses the work being done by the Institute to foster more diverse and inclusive workspaces in the built environment. 
She also outlines the campaign the Institute is running to champion proper access to personal protective equipment for everyone working in construction. PPE that fits. Lucy McDonald is a senior architectural visualizer at Strata. Lucy shares details of her role working in CGI and creative design within architecture and construction, where she specializes in producing photorealistic images of new build homes and interiors. Lucy is also a qualified drone pilot, producing incredible aerial photographs and videos. Lucy outlines the work she does as a STEM ambassador, inspiring the next generation to learn the skills required in modern technology. Do check out our website, womanthology.co.uk, to read the full stories. Sadly, that's all we have time for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, if you want to support what we do, then share the link for the show on social media and also follow the show. Your feedback is really important, so please do rate and review the show in your podcast app. Join us for the next podcast episode and written issue that explore the future skills agenda. 